Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Howdy, neighbors. Welcome to the inaugural edition of the podcast series, The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. I'm your host for today's travels and our traveling companion, the governor of our great state of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, among other things, has been instrumental in ramping up the top 10 discussions as a measure of excellence in all areas of life across Oklahoma. Supporting our podcast, The Road to Rural Prosperity, is the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma and the Oklahoma Rural Water Association. The governor will be joining us after these words. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Howdy neighbors and welcome everyone. Ron Hayes with you today as we take the road to rural prosperity. It uh, takes us through the offices of the governor of the great state of Oklahoma. Temporary offices, we might add, on the first floor of the Capitol right now. Governor Kevin Stitt, elected in the fall of 2018 as the 28th governor of the state of Oklahoma. He was sworn in in January of this year. And that means that Governor Stitt now has eight months under his belt as an elected politician, what you might call the chief executive officer of our state. Politician? You're already calling me a politician? (laughs) Well, it kind of goes with the territory, doesn't it? I know, I know. But, uh, no, it's such an honor, and uh, it has been eight months. I affectionately say I'm not a freshman anymore. So I finished my first legislative session, and, and I hope Oklahomans can feel the momentum and the optimism and the atmosphere, and we're really focused on kind of changing the culture here at the Capitol and working across party lines, working with the House and the and the Senate members. And uh, it's just been a fun time for me and, and bringing some business principles into the Capitol. And uh, I, I hope Oklahomans are feeling it. We're working our tail off for them. Kevin, if you don't mind, before we actually talk a little bit about some of the early uh, policy decisions and some of the uh, early accomplishments of, of your administration, let, let's back up and talk a little bit about, you know, who you are, uh, maybe give folks a little bit of a feel of what you went through as you try to decide that you wanted to be governor. What, at what point did you come up with this this idea that pushed you to actually say, I'm going to run to be governor of the state of Oklahoma? What, what was it that you thought? You know, I can help this state. You know, um, yeah, most people know my background. I, I grew up in Norman, the son of a, of a pastor, and uh, and then went to Oklahoma State for college, got an accounting degree, and then started my business career. Uh, but, you know, my faith really drives me. And, and, and people, you know, sometimes a lot of people probably say they felt led to, to, to run for an office. Uh, but truly, that's that's what I feel like. I feel like the Lord laid it on my heart two years ago. And and I was scared to death. I mean, I didn't know anything about 
uh, politics. I was focused on raising my family and running my business and, and just felt the urge to uh, get in and run. And, and uh, so uh, fortunately, Oklahomans agreed with me. And it's been a great experience. And it's just an honor of my life uh, to serve as, as your governor. And, and I do. I often think about my grandparents and my granddad who had an eighth grade education and was a dairy farmer and got up at four in the morning uh, seven days a week, mind you. I always, anytime on the weekends, if I'm feeling sorry for myself that I'm working too hard, at least I get to sleep in a little bit on Sunday. That's right. And uh, granddad never did that. But I just think about the opportunity and what he would think now looking down that his family is uh, serving their state where we all grew up. And uh, so it's really, really fun. But really my faith drives me. I've got a wonderful wife of 21 years. She's an Oklahoma girl. Our kids, we raised them all here and six children from 18 down to five. My daughter, we just dropped her off at college. She went out of state, by the way. I couldn't talk her into going to one of the state schools because she was like, no, you're the governor. I don't want anybody to know I'm the governor's daughter. (laughs) So uh, it's funny uh, how that is, but uh, we're really proud of her. She's a freshman in, uh, in college and our other kids moved to Oklahoma City schools and they're uh, down here in the uh, Oklahoma City area. I know your wife, Sarah, is a very important part of your team. And you know, what, what did she say as you actually were coming to this point of decision and you were saying, hey, I'm being led, I think, to be in the race to be governor? Well, you know, when, when I first told her that, she tells the story now, uh, you know, she was like, oh, my goodness, don't tell anybody. Have you told anybody? Let's really think about this. Because uh, she knew our life was about to be turned upside down. And, and uh, we were, you know, engranced in our community and with our church community there in Tulsa. And uh, she knew what, uh, you know, kind of the public focus would be on our family. And so, but, but you know, she was all in. She, she felt it, too, that and the more we got into it, that uh, this was the right spot for me and Oklahomans, uh, uh, that we could do amazing things when you have kind of an outside business person coming in for the right reasons. And I hope Oklahomans can see that. And uh, so she's all in. She's a wonderful first lady. She's going to be the greatest first lady Oklahoma's ever had. You know, That's I, saying I, something. I know, I know. But she, I'm telling you, she is, and and uh, she does a fantastic job. If you get a chance to meet her, she's uh, she's wonderful. Before we leave your family, if we might, uh, Governor, you know, let, let's back up to uh, your childhood and your time with your grandparents on the farm, northeastern Oklahoma, the dairy operation there. You know, give us give us a little feel of how it was. You know, what what memories do you have? Is there a funny, you know, something funny that happened uh, during your time with your grandparents there on the farm? Just so many great memories. Uh uh, as a kid, you know, I remember going up there, granddad would always pay us and we'd have to join in with the other, uh, there was a couple hired hands, but then we had some guys, uh, uh, from town and we'd go haul hay. So in the summertime in Oklahoma, it's a hundred degrees back then it was the square bales. And so, uh, we had a loader on the side of like, I don't know, a four ton truck and flatbed and, and we'd be driving. I remember grandmother driving the, um, driving the truck and and she's loading up and driving down the the rows and me and granddad are on the top and loading it about five tiers high and at the very end we've got it perfect we've gone through all of it and she would miss a bale and it hit the side of the loader and flip out and happens every time well my granddad was a pretty hard man and so he would uh, i just remember him saying thelma I was just about to brag on you about not missing a bale. And there you go, missing that last bale. And uh, then she'd start yelling back at my granddad. And, and uh, so a lot of, lot of fond, fond memories. And I think he paid me. I was well underpaid, about two cents a bale. Uh, but uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then you had to go unload it for that. So it was really a one cent to, uh, to pick it up and a cent to, uh, uh, to go unload it in a 100-degree barn. 
So you made it up in volume. I made it up in volume. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Governor, let, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, you. Obviously, uh, went to school, Oklahoma State University, graduated from OSU. Uh, you moved into uh, this this role of uh, starting your own business eventually, being successful in that regard. You know, what are the things that, that you learned at OSU and then in your in your career in the private sector? What things have you been able to take out of that that got you ready to do a good job as governor? You know, I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's my upbringing. It's uh, the way I uh, view life through a biblical worldview uh, is, is, is a big part of who I am and, and what shapes me. But, but I think from a practical standpoint, I don't know how you could do this job and be uh, successful as the chief executive of a 33,000-person organization and a $20 billion budget if you didn't have that experience in the private sector, right. uh, if you didn't understand how to hire and put a team together and set a vision and, 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 and keep people focused on the four or five things that you need to accomplish the most important things this year and, and, and understand the accounting background from Oklahoma State uh, is so important to understand how to read a balance sheet. Uh, so all those things together, I think, are so important for our chief executive of, of the state of Oklahoma. Uh, so not only is it, is it being setting the vision and the culture. And I think I get that from the biblical worldview, but also uh, from the business standpoint, uh, this is a big service organization. There's uh, thousands and thousands of employees and there's 150 different divisions within state government. And you have to have somebody that understands how to organize that, how to get the right team in place. The leadership things from the private sector, I think are really, really important that are uh, good skills to have at this position. Governor, let's talk a little bit about the campaign, if we might. It was a you know a long process, really. What uh, February, March through the November general election, uh, rough and tumble. A lot of uh, GOP candidates. Then you had the runoff, the the GOP runoff well, against uh, uh, Oklahoma City Governor Mick Cornett. Then the general against former Attorney General Edmondson. You know, at what point through all that process did you finally think, hey, I might actually be able to win this thing and and be governor? <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I have a uh, very optimistic personality. And uh, so from the very beginning, when I sat there in, in March of 2017 and, and I sat at my kitchen table and I was talking to my brother and my wife and, and um, you know, I, I kind of looked at the race and I thought, if I get in this thing, I can win this. And so I, the whole time, I mean, I felt pretty confident uh, that I was going to win it. Um, the, uh, the primary night with there's 10 people running was a little mm-hmm. closer than I thought it was going to be. And, and so that was uh, fun, but then we got into that one and, and we kind of predicted it. We said, Hey, if we get into the runoff, uh, we'll win the runoff and then we'll win the general. So, uh, we kind of called it from the very beginning. Uh, but, uh, it, I'll tell you when you first win, then when you win in November and then when you get inaugurated, it is a crazy feeling. I mean, I, I pinched myself for the first six months. You just can't believe you're governor. Mm-hmm. And you just keep pinching yourself. And, and then you kind of grow into it. And you start realizing, uh, you know, you're governor. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, and then, and then also the two-year period of campaigning. I'm like, dang right, I'm governor. Uh, I've met every single person <laughs> in all 77 counties. I know every issue. And I've toured every state agency. And uh, uh, so it, it, it's a lot of fun. But it, it, it's big beat down of the campaign as it is it's a beat down it's tough uh, but it does prepare you and it's a maturation process getting you ready and learning all the issues uh, to become governor one of the things that came out during the campaign governor was this uh, talk about being top 10 be oklahoma being top 10 where did that come from 
You know, a good question. My, I've got several buddies that claim that they're the ones that told me about it. <laughs> so one of my one of my good friends from college, uh, he swears he's the one that texted me that uh, OU and OSU were both maybe in the top ten in 2017 uh, polling or something, and and he's the one that says that he he texted me that and said, hey, Oklahoma should be top ten if if our, if our sports programs. And, and I believe it. Here's the deal. Uh, we don't have any different issues in Oklahoma than they have in any other state. Uh, we all want the same things. We want the best schools for our children. Uh, we all want the best roads and bridges to drive on. We want the best health care. Uh, we want the best economy. And we're competing against 49 other states. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I, I say we can compete. We can win. We've got all the natural resources. We've got the right talent here. Uh, we've got fantastic Oklahomans. And, and we know that uh, when you get here and you meet our people and our God-fearing culture of hardworking uh, Oklahomans, it's the right place to live, work, raise a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just lucky enough uh, to be governor at this time when I'm telling you we are about to explode. I can feel it on the commerce side, uh, the education side, healthcare. We've got a lot of great things going for us. You know, Governor, the top 10 theme really uh, was the inspiration for the uh, the title of this podcast series that we're uh, we're initiating. You're the inaugural uh, guest on the uh, on the series, The Road to Rural Prosperity. And a key part of that is the team that you surround yourself with. You know, as you went through the process, you were elected during, after after Election Day. I know you worked really hard to start to assemble the team. What were you trying to accomplish as you picked members of your cabinet and other key uh, advisory positions you know the uh, the cabinet was really important to me and i studied all the previous governor's cabinets and even looked in other states um uh, but it was very important that i brought people in from around the state uh, that had diverse backgrounds and i can't say enough great things about uh, blaine arthur she's the first female secretary of agriculture i brought her into my cabinet she's doing a fantastic job um and then you know um Ken Wagner, who's another another guy under energy and environment. And I tell everybody in my cabinet, everybody has a dotted line back to commerce. Uh, every decision we make has to focus on how does this affect Oklahomans getting jobs, creating jobs? How does it affect uh, uh, companies growing? And so I want every cabinet member doing that. Um, and then I also put a COO in place that had never been done in Oklahoma's history. So I have a chief operating officer that's literally running the cabinet and running the state agencies. That's really, really important. And so it's, it's, it's important to know the difference between that versus kind of the way the normal playbook was just to have your chief of staff, uh, run the cabinet as well. Uh, so digital transformation was somebody we put on the cabinet. Uh, so the, and, and then the other thing is I'm trying to bring in outsiders, a lot of business folks, uh, because running state agencies, these are thousand-person employ- uh, agencies. The largest is about seven thousand employees in one wow. state agencies. Billions of dollars of, of tax dollars. Mm-hmm. Hard-earned pe- the people listening to this pod- podcast. They're tax dollars. They want to make sure those are used efficiently. Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing a lot of smart business people in that understand how to run and and manage processes and get those dollars on target and not on things that don't really make sense, but on target to become top 10 in roads and bridge conditions uh, in, in the economy, et cetera. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt with us today on the Road to Rural Prosperity. And we'll be back with the governor in just a moment. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. 
The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Let's continue the journey on the road to rural prosperity, stories for rural Americans. Once again, here's host Ron Hayes. Welcome back to The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. With us today, the 28th governor of the state of Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stitt. Governor, as you uh, took the oath of office, you had the celebratory time of the inauguration. You very, very quickly rolled up your sleeves and got to work as governor. During those early days, what were you really wanting to accomplish? You know, uh, we, we it really started as soon as we won in November. We went off site. We did a strategy session. I brought in some uh, some consultants to kind of help me narrow down my uh, first uh, five initiatives. And so when we did that, we're so excited. We if you'll read my state of the state address to the penny, we accomplished everything we set out to do. Uh, so, so some of the highlights, number one was agency accountability. We found it interesting. I think Oklahomans understand that if you want me to move the needle, I've got to be able to hire and fire the people running these state agencies that spend the most amount of money. So legislators agreed with me. And, and in the first six weeks, I got the authority to run the largest five state agencies. It's a no brainer for most of us. If you're hiring a new CEO or governor, you want the governor to be able to go change the healthcare authority or the department of corrections or the juvenile affairs. And so uh, we, we did that. That was a huge accomplishment. Savings was really important. We know in business that revenue doesn't always just go up in a straight line. And when I got to office, we only had $400 million in our savings account. And we had cut core services through some economic downturns. And I'm excited to say that after 2020, or for the first time in state history, uh, well, I just got the report, we have over a billion dollars in savings. So I held uh, the legislature uh, back a little bit, and I said, we're going to make sure we save first, especially since we had a surplus. Uh, and it's not that we're not investing in core services. We actually invested 6% more this year and 10% more in 2018. So we've actually invested 16% over the last two years uh, in core services. But we also have to plan for a rainy day or an economic downturn so we don't have to cut core services. So that's a huge uh, deal. We also move the needle on criminal justice, getting some nonviolent criminals, giving them second chances. Uh, that was important to us. Uh, fully funding our infrastructure was something that was important that I did, returning $30 million to rural counties. Mm -hmm. I did that right off the bat that uh, had been taken over some economic down years. Um, anyway, so, so those, are, those are things that we, we were excited to move the needle on. Education, I feel like it's my responsibility to set a higher standard in education that we can be top 10. And so uh, we gave our wonderful school teachers a pay raise. It's never happened before for the second year in a row. And now we're top in the region in pay for our wonderful school teachers uh, in Oklahoma because that's going to do a lot to promote them and encourage young people to get into that profession. 
You mentioned education. Let, let, let's talk maybe a little bit more in depth about where we are, both in common education, but also the uh, the higher education uh, efforts as well. Uh, you know, they they took a, a pretty substantial cut over the years before you came into the governor's uh, office. Uh, how do we how do we get them back to where they need to be? Well, there's a couple, couple things. Uh, number one, we, we did invest uh, the most we've ever invested in public education over three billion dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we gave them an additional two hundred million, uh, and like I said, part of that went to the teacher pace. Part of it just went to the rural air, to the uh, superintendents to be able to invest how they see fit. Um, but we're going to continue to invest in, in public education. I'm also trying to encourage uh, local communities. I want them to do more. I want to unlock the potential. I want to look at the funding formula because right now, if a rural community or any community, any school district wants to do more, uh, they kind of get a deduct from the uh, from the equalization formula. And so I want to relook at that formula to see how if that makes sense. I want to reward a performing schools because right now we're kind of ref- we're we're rewarding F schools, and so we need to kind of look at that. I want to give more uh, choice back to the parents because I think parents know what their kids need and I want to give them more uh, opportunity. When I think about career techs and higher ed and how everything is siloed off, uh, the jobs of the future are different than they are yes, you know, yesterday. So we've got to also encourage children to go into um, uh, that there's a hope and a future for every kid. If, even if you don't want to be an engineer, uh, there are some career techs and there are some technical degrees uh, that you can get in two years that will greatly uh, enhance your earning capabilities. One one thing I like to share with young people, uh, I met with American Airlines. And an AMP mechanic starting out at American Airlines makes $75,000 a year. You can get that in about 18 months. And then if you want to become an executive, you go on and there's on-ramps into higher ed where you can go get your engineering degree mm-hmm. or an advanced manufacturing so there's fantastic things uh, for our young people. Also, in the defense industry, and aerospace is a huge cluster in Oklahoma. If a kid has their security clearance, it is a huge leg up for them to work at Tinker or some of these other companies that are moving to Oklahoma, rural Oklahoma. Uh, so keeping their nose clean, uh, making sure that they do what's right, they don't get into drugs and alcohol and, and make some stupid mistakes. If they have a, def- a clearance, uh, it is a huge leg up for them working in the defense industry. Let's, let's talk about economic development. You, you mentioned that uh, earlier, that uh, this is one of those core uh, things that you've, you really believe in strongly to help uh, Oklahoma reach that level of prosperity that we all desire to see. What is the strategy going forward when it comes to economic development? You know, uh, Secretary of uh, Commerce, Sean Copeland, I've tasked him with looking at five states, and he's picked out five states where we have a competitive advantage. Because in business, if I can have a competitive advantage over somebody else, then I'm going to get the sale. And so we've gone out where maybe they have regulatory uh, problems in that state, and they're really hammering on one industry over another industry, and we're letting them know what what, uh, advantages there are to move to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So we've got that going. He's made 38 announcements, about $1.4 billion in new investments just since the first of this year. In Oklahoma, we were sixth in the nation in GDP growth for the first quarter of 2019 at 3.9%. So that's how I measure. Are we beating the other states? Are we top 10 in growth? And we're not going to get there overnight, uh, but I believe what's good for uh, Oklahoma City is good for rural Oklahoma. What, what's good for Tulsa is good. We're too small of a state to compete against each other. So when I tell commerce, I say break it down in quadrants. When I look at when I look at the state I'm looking at quadrants and how to help them grow and develop uh, but also the things that 
that you have in rural Oklahoma, you just can't duplicate in the big city. And that's the camaraderie and everybody knows everybody and the, and the, the, the culture and the atmosphere. And you have more land, you've got more resources out there. Uh, we're already, I think, number two in beef production in the U.S. We're number eight in pork production. We've got to grow on that. We're number five in wheat production. Uh, so cotton is huge in the south, uh, west part of our state. So, I want to just continue to help those guys mm-hmm. uh, grow, look at what their needs are, um, and, 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 and focus on it from a quadrant standpoint. Right. The other thing that uh, is important for both the urban and the rural areas of our state is, is quality health care. And I know that that's uh, it's been a worry, especially for some of our rural citizens. Absolutely. Uh, and so we're looking at, uh, I've got a whole team right now kind of putting the plan together for healthcare that I'm going to roll out uh, towards the end of this year. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a movement right now to put uh, Medicaid expansion on the ballot. And that is a bad thing. I encourage everybody not to sign on to that. The reason is, uh, whether you believe in Medicaid expansion or, or not, we can't let that become constitutional. They're trying to put that on the ballot that's a constitutional change. The problem with being constitutional is if the feds decide to stop funding that, then there's no way to back out of it. If we put it on as a legislative change, then we can back out or we can have some kind of parachutes to pull out if the feds turn around and change their uh, their funding of it. So I'm studying that. I'm going to roll out the complete plan uh, for Oklahoma. But a lot of this is is access to primary care physicians. So I'm also working on just putting more money into a system doesn't solve the doctor down the street in rural Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm focused on is how do we how do we bring the primary care to rural Oklahoma? How do we use you know telemedicine to to rural Oklahoma? How do we get doctors out to rural Oklahoma? Some of that is bringing money into the system, but some of it is reworking how the how the system works. So that's what I'm focused on. Also, we're rolling out a, uh, a health exchange. Uh, it's so frustrating for me as and for a lot of Oklahomans that if you go to if you get sick and you're in Coweta, Oklahoma, then you come to the hospital in Tulsa and then you go back to a, a rehab facility, then a nursing home, they expect you to bring your paperwork or remember all that stuff. <laughs> We're so far behind the, the curve mm-hmm. that I've got my healthcare authority working on an exchange so we can collaborate that data so families don't have to bring around paperwork uh, and, and there's not the mess up with the doctor. So some of this stuff is way more, it's, it's actually getting into the weeds a little bit and actually managing the system. Uh, and so some people just think, well, just more money is going to fix it. Fixing stuff is getting in and doing the hard work of managing one last question, as far as looking kind of out there a little ways, the vision that you have right now for Oklahoma as you uh, go through this first term, you uh, ask for if you decide to run for that second term, uh, you ask for Oklahomans to vote for you again. What, what's Oklahoma going to look like at that point? Yeah, well, I hope Oklahomans, uh, the, the positivity, I've got a whole new branding campaign going with our great – Lieutenant Governor, uh, but I hope Oklahoma we're marching towards becoming top ten. We're being you're seeing a more transparent uh, government that's working for the people of Oklahoma, um, and whether we're that's a very aspirational goal, but it's something that I'm setting out there, and and I think we can measure that. I think we can be top ten in the way we educate our kids and the roads and bridges and pavement conditions that we operate in. Um, that we can have top 10 healthcare outcomes instead of 40th. We're the 19th largest state area wise. Uh, so I think we start at 19 and we go up from there. We're the 
28th largest state population wise. There's no reason that we're under, uh, that we're at the bottom of any category. And that's kind of what I'm challenging everybody that's running state government, running these different state agencies reporting to me is you keep defining how we can move up that, that, that needle. And I hold them accountable for it. We put metrics in place. So I want Oklahomans to know I'm not, uh, I'm not here doing anything besides trying to push people to do better, better outcomes for Oklahomans. And that's the whole reason I'm sitting here as your governor. Governor, thank you for your time, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.